Hey everybody and welcome to Positively Midwest. I'm Steve Jurens and tonight we're recording a special episode. Not only is it number 27 of Positively Midwest, but I've got Catherine in on this one and we're doing an interview, a duel, a duet interview. And we've got Megan White on the line with us tonight and she is a health and wellness coach in partnership with Beachbody. And she's also going to tell us some very interesting stories. We're going to talk about, I think, some postpartum depression, things of that nature, stuff I'm not probably too familiar with. So I wanted my lovely wife in on this to to talk. So Catherine, say hi, and then we'll introduce our guest. Hello, everybody. That was Catherine. So (laughs) thanks, everyone. Megan White, say hello. Um, Introduce yourself. Give us a little quick little bio, if you will. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I am from originally from Watertown, South Dakota. I am married to my high school sweetheart, Michael White, and we've been together for almost 20 years. And we have three beautiful kids, two, four, and six, Clara, Xander, and Maverick. Um, And as you were saying, I'm a virtual health and wellness coach. I have a background in physical therapy, teach group fitness classes. Um, I love all things health and wellness. And love helping people so that's kind of where I ended up well good we like to think we're going to help some people here and there through some of these and uh our uh Facebook group we're trying to fill our news feeds with positivity too so that was one of the things that intrigued me with you as we were trying to probably uh, try to grow our Instagram I came just start following people and you were one of them so uh, even I was inspired as I try to go to the gym as often as possible and I don't know how sometimes people like you stay so darn motivated. So that intrigues <laughs> me too. <laughs> so, and even Catherine, she's always doing yoga and getting up and doing all these things. And I'm like, I might just hit snooze one time. So you are, you said virtual and when you use that word. So do you, any of your health and wellness coaching is mainly that's all online. Then you don't do any in person, um, you know, does what do you think of that? Like, does do you lose any of that kind of personal touch with people when you don't get to see them? Do you feel? You know, I think. Well, first of all, being a mom of three, it's like, what what are other humans? Because how do you how do you have time to do anything, let alone you know get out of the house? But um, no, I think I just found this path um, through wanting to be home with my kids and wanting to still you know, be present as a mom and be able to do something for myself and be able to still kind of fill that void of, you know, helping people and connecting with other people. And I think more so just making an impact on other people's lives. Um, And so I get to do that online and I get to connect with a ton of people every day from all over the world. And it's actually really expanded Oh, I don't know. Um, it's expanded. I feel like my connection with other people because I get to share what I want. And in turn, uh, those people kind of come out of the woodworks who are struggling with the same things that I share about. And so if anything, I feel like it's, <laughs> it's made me um, a little bit more social than what I probably would be. Um, so, but I still get to do some things in person too. Um, and people that are local, I love meeting up with them and I teach group fitness classes. Um, and so I still kind of have that connection, but it's when I want to and not when I'm forced to. So I have a friend that is a part of your team or your classes or your coaching, whatever you call it. And she says she absolutely loves it. Loves it. She has more of like a gym phobia in a sense where she was like too nervous to want to walk into a gym. And I have that like for me to want to walk into a gym and try to use equipment is like 
so nerve wracking. And I go to like the one that I know how to use and I'm too afraid to try anything else in fear of people seeing me. So she says she loves your programs and like your accountability and your motivation that you help to give all those girls, even though it's virtually, she absolutely loves it and inspired by it. So it's awesome. Yeah. And we, you know, I run accountability groups, probably like she was talking about. Um, and it's just kind of, it's for the people. I mean, I used to be a gym rat. I love going to the gym. I love meeting people at the gym. I love just standing there, drinking my pre-workout, talking to people at the gym, even if I'm not doing anything. Um, but I also love that other aspect now where I'm, you know, in the trenches of motherhood with three small, crazy, you know, kids and busy and with a husband that has a different schedule. Um, it's just nice to be able to have that convenience of being able to still have my me time and take care of my own health and wellness, but also be able to help people and connect with other women and provide that kind of kind of safe space for people to, you know, still work on their fitness without having to pack up three kids and head to the gym and make it a five hour excursion. Um, and some people love it and some people don't. So I love being able to offer both. You know, on you kind of answered that question just how I was hoping when I asked it anyways, because I, I was started to feel like, you know, in a sense, you can reach more people uh, in a proper fashion, you know, this way. And it's not like, you know, I mean, you're working your buns off, too, because just running our tiny little page, I post a few times a day, maybe, and you're posting quite frequently. And if you're holding people accountable and virtually cracking the whip, if you will, I mean, you got to be doing stuff nonstop. So to be flexible with your kids and, and, uh, you know, with what your husband does for a living, it's, is quite unique. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it, um, I'm intrigued by it on how, how that works. So that kind of motivation, have you like generally always been an athletic person, uh, that, that you've wanted to always stay fit? You're motivated that way? Yeah, I think I, I've kind of always had that internal motivation, which I think a lot of people struggle with. Um, and I never, when it comes to health and fitness, now internal motivation to clean my house and do laundry, that's a whole nother story. I don't have that quite yet. But um, the fitness side, I I definitely have always, and I think it, it's not just that I it, it was instilled in me. I think it was a, a habit that was formed through playing sports when I was, younger and um, just always being involved in some type of athletic event um, or team or something like that where there was accountability and there was a, a challenge, a goal and very goal oriented and very challenge driven. Um, if you tell me I can't do something, I will do it 10 times <laughs> just to prove you wrong. Um, and so I loved that aspect of growing up and being in those situations. And I think that just developed that, that discipline muscle. Um, and I grew up really loving the human body and I'm very intrigued by, you know, how our body works and I love nutrition and I love learning about, you know, some of the more natural paths to take, um, with healing and food and all of that. And I think it was, it's just kind of, it became a part of, of who I am now saying that I definitely struggled with a lot of the same things that, you know, young teenage girls struggle with body image issues and lack of confidence and not feeling good enough. And, you know, feeling like you have to perfect certain 
parts of your body and working overcompensating to feel, you know, confident and comfortable in your own skin. Um, but that came kind of at a later part of my life, um, especially after becoming a mom, a lot of that mindset flipped and, you know, it's just that fitness is there. I love working out. I love that. I don't have to really think about it. It's not, it's not an emotional thing for me anymore. It's like brushing my teeth. I just do it. Um, but then there's that whole psychological side to it where it does take some external drive and external accountability. Um, and just kind of really understanding where you want to go and where you, the type of person that you want to become and those small promises that you want to make to yourself every day to get to that big goal. Um, and so the motivation fitness life has always been there, but it's definitely, it's definitely a process. It's definitely a, a learning curve. So let me, I started to think of this, but what are your thoughts on the physical health and eating healthier and just being uh, more fit in general, healthier in your body? What, what are your thoughts on how that does for your mental health? Oh, I am a huge believer and now believer, um, having gone through a couple nutrition programs myself um, through our, the programs we offer. Um, I know am suffering, not suffering. Let's rewrite, let's rewrite, rewrite, write that phrase. Um, I don't suffer with anxiety and depression. I have sat with it for years now, recognizing it years and years, probably my whole life but more so um, significantly in the last six years from when I first got pregnant um, and evolving kind of over those years and just doing different things with my nutrition. And I don't eat perfectly. I don't, you know, I have my drinks and I love a good be an ice cold beer with olives and, you know, nachos. Like I love all those things. Um, but I also really love fueling my body with, really good, clean, healthy food because of how it makes me feel and what it does for my mental state. So I know if I'm going to go, you know, have a, a splurge night and eat pizza and have a couple beers, I know that my, my mental health is going to be a little bit more affected um, the next day even. And I'm a huge believer in nutrition, healing, um, and being something that it, it can really significantly decrease for me personally, my anxiety. When I eat super clean, I went through a 21 day nutrition program, whole foods, clean foods. I ate a lot of, it was, it was a lot of food, but it was a lot of healthy, clean foods. Um, and my anxiety significantly reduced for those 21 days. And then of course, you know, I was off the program and dabbled a little bit here and there with my treat meals and, um, had a little bit of caffeine, you know, in my pre-workout and I felt it come back a little bit more. So I'm, I'm a hu huge advocate for nutrition. And I, I advocate that with my clients as well. And even my team um, and even my family. I mean, what we're putting into our body is, is what is coming out externally. And whether that's mentally, emotionally, physically. And so I'm a huge believer, huge believer in, in nutrition. Perfect. So... I want to dive into, because I think sometimes this is a little different for everybody, but what what does anxiety mean to you in particular, um, other than kind of the generic, you know, I, I feel that my heart beating fast or that pit in my stomach, 
but are there things that trigger you differently? Um, you know, are, are you, we found at times, I think we're introverted extroverts. And so there's times we want to be extremely social, but there's times we want to just be left alone or we're really nervous to go to a social event. Um, things like that. What, what have you recognized in, in your own anxiety? Yeah, that's so interesting that you, you mentioned those couple of things and I don't really experience the heart race. I don't really experience the pit in my stomach. How mine translates is through extreme overwhelm and then I snap. <laughs> so if I'm snapping a lot, I know that, and my family knows, my husband knows, I, I'm, I'm experiencing anxiety. I'm sitting with anxiety. And the, the stuff that I've read about it and the things that I've just identified with myself are, it's not like for and opinions may vary and I'm not discrediting what anybody thinks or feels about their own anxiety. Everybody is different. And so I think you really just have to listen to your own triggers and how it comes out of you and then reverse engineer that to what you can do to maybe minimize it the next time. But for me, there are certain triggers that I know um, I love to work when I'm working. I don't have anxiety at all. It's crazy, but that's because I love what I do. I'm obsessed with my work. I'm obsessed with the people I get to work with, the women I get to partner with, the company I'm partnered with. I'm, I could work 24-7 because I'm, it excites me and it makes me motivated and I feel just on fire and I'm so passionate about it. And so I don't have anxiety when I'm working. When I'm not working, there are certain triggers that, for me, I know I start to feel overwhelmed. My mind starts to carry and and race and my thoughts, you know, women in general, we have 179 compartments open in our brain at one time the way it is. And then you add anxiety to it and then you add depression with it. It's like you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. And um, so for me, I have, instead of saying, you know, I suffer with it or I have it, um, and take ownership of it. It's not something that I have. It's not something that I have to take ownership of or, or carry around constantly. For me, it's a energy. It's a, it's an energy. It's an emotion. It's a, whatever you want to call it, sitting in your nervous system. And it's got to, it's got to exit somewhere and somehow. And so for me, physical movement of some sort, I think that's why fitness and working out has just always been kind of like clockwork because of how I feel when I'm done. Um, and that's really my first domino in the day is that workout. If I can get up, get that done, get that out of the way, then the rest of the day, the dominoes seem to fall a lot smoother. Um, and that's because I feel like I can release that fight or flight uh, feeling and I'm not, my mind's not racing and thinking and worrying about something that hasn't even happened in the future. So that's kind of how I manage it. I, I kind of, I have a, an anxiety like <laughs> dump list, like a little, I don't know, trigger list where I can go to that list and I can say, okay, if I do these things, I know, I know it's going to help me, you know, like get some sunshine on my face for 10 minutes and do my workout. Have I done that? So I just have some of these checklist things um, that I look at when I start to kind of feel like it's coming on or 
I'm not even noticing that I'm expressing it in negative ways. Um, and it's different for everybody. So you definitely have to listen to yourself and identify with it and be aware of it. And then figure out what works best for you to minimize it. Because it's not ever going to go away if you have it. It's probably never just going to all of a sudden vanish and go away. Um, but it's definitely an energy that has to get out of your body somehow. But you get to be in charge of how it exits. That makes sense. Yeah. So let me ask you this then with um, being a, a husband and at times I have used the what's probably in the in the certain context a derogatory term, but like it's an emotional roller coaster at times. You know, when my own spouse gets a little um, agitated, if you will, and maybe is triggered by anxiety too, and I'm sure she can speak on that. But for a moment, maybe let's help enlighten some of the the men out there too. But would you happen to have some advisement that? in when you're in one of those states and like what kind of oh what kind of interaction are you looking for from your spouse or do you feel is like like would you rather be left alone or do you want them to say or do something what's maybe some advice in those in those times for for spouses yeah that's a great question i love that question because i feel like there's such a stigma account around mental health and People have to feel like they have to walk on eggshells if they know somebody's, you know, going through depression or anxiety. <laughs> so I love, I love that question and, and um, being able to, to help other people around it. When for me, when I start to feel anxious um, or really overwhelmed, I oftentimes like some type of physical touch. If you can give somebody just a squeeze or a hug, or even if they don't ask for it or want it. Um, you know, if, if my husband were just to squeeze my arm or my hand or give me a big hug, um, oftentimes that number one just grounds us immediately. Their feet are on the ground. We're, we're hanging onto something tight. That squeeze kind of dissipates our wandering mind. And that's, I think, number one for me. Um, I do that with my kids even if I can kind of sense that they're <laughs> feeling overwhelmed or they're kind of starting to have a nervous breakdown or something. Um, I'll just give them a, a, you know, five second squeeze. Um, the other thing is letting, letting us just kind of vent and letting us just kind of talk our way through what, um, excuse me, what we're thinking, what our mind is racing about. Cause oftentimes anxiety is worry or thoughts of something that hasn't happened or we jump to one worry that goes to the next to the next to the next and pretty soon we're thinking of you know 15 things that <laughs> that we're worried about that hasn't even happened yet that is all me like ev yeah. everything I mean the full-on anxiety panic attacks mine is it's like my whole body becomes like raging itching on fire it almost feels like and then it's like my mood fluctuates drastically but it's from every little thing. And I'm a constant state of like worrying and feels like, and so it is, it's like, if I can make myself go do a yoga session, sometimes it's like, I have to make myself because, you know, when you're in that funk, you have to, you know, try to rise above to go do it. So that's where if you do it first thing in the morning, it does kind of help to start your day versus trying to force yourself later on when your mood has already kind of taken over sometimes. But so much of that just resonates with me because that is like, 
and I don't think Stephen always understands this when, you know, we talk about things. The guys don't always get it that sometimes it's like they don't fully understand our female brain that it is that, that 179 compartments, whatever it is, you know, like that's how we are constantly having to think about your work, your kids, your home, your husband, your, your everything. And you have so much going on in a day. And so you have to find that breather in that way to yeah. overcome it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, just letting, you know, if, if Michael were to ask me, okay, what's going on? Just, you know, talk to me about what's kind of going through your mind right now. Most of the time, people with anxiety, if you just ask us, we will just <laughs> spew and spew and spew because again, it's like those thoughts floating around you, if you get them out of your brain and on paper, it's way less overwhelming and you can see your thoughts, you can see, you know, or you verbalize them to somebody, then it's almost like, okay, they're out of you, that the energy, it's those thoughts that are out of you. And now you can think a little bit clearer and you can come back to planet earth and the sky's not falling (laughs) and somebody else is there to kind of reassure um, and validate, I think is a really big one. Um, Validating just that, you know, I I learned this with my kids, how we're supposed to like be sports announcers with our children. Um, You know, like, wow, you're coloring that picture so well, or, you know, you're walking on the sidewalk really great or whatever. (laughs) Um, And I, I think too, that works with people with anxiety because we just want to know number one, that what we're feeling is okay. And we're not wrong for feeling it. And we're not wrong for, feeling overwhelmed and letting our mind, you know, think about things that might not even happen. And so I think if, you know, you validate what that person's feeling or thinking, that alone, I think is just a a big reassurance and kind of a big, um, kind of a big deep breath that, that you can help give that other person, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's what I love about like your platform and what you do with like your Facebook page or your social media is, you know, I, as a woman, I've gone through the ectopic pregnancy where I felt like no one understood because it was something that people hardly discussed at that time. And then going through postpartum and not even realizing what I was all battling at that time, it was just like I was keeping everything in. And so much of that stuff, it's like nobody understood. None of my friends had gone through that stuff. It was like nobody could relate. And so I love what you are really doing to help inspire and to open the lines of communication to help so many out there that are going through the same thing that forever we've just been closed books about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I feel like, especially as women, we, we, we know that we're not the only ones in the world, you know, like realistically, we know we're not the only ones in the world going through what we're going through. There has to be in, in 8 billion people, there has to be one other person but when we're in it and you're kind of in the fog, it's really hard to see past logical thinking. And so um, I love using my platform as a way to just, you know, like I told you earlier, it's therapeutic for me. And if, if I can be somebody, you know, I really feel like God gave me the voice that, that, that I have and gave me the confidence now um, that I've acquired and, and gained and the boldness to 
be somebody that can create space for other women to not feel alone, to maybe share their story, to maybe recognize what they're going through. Maybe they didn't know or have a name for it. And, you know, I really feel like that was, that's my purpose in, in creating that space for other women. And so um, it's reassuring and it's kind of like you're virtually linking arms with other women, which I think is kind of cool too. So here's a unique question that popped in my head while you were talking. Um, you had said, um, you said that you kind of, you know, when you give it to God in a sense that, um, you know, it helps guide you in these situations. And so since you are also in the health and wellness coaching and, you know, a lot of that, you know, whether, whether it comes across as self-help for some or, or those individuals that enjoy that, read those self-help books and so on. One question that I've always had is curious on your perspective, but I've gotten a much closer relationship with God, um, in the last year or so than I probably ever have in my whole life. And, um, so I still run into situations where maybe I question things a little bit, or I just want more information, whatever. But so my point is what I'm asking you is I always feel like, you know, sometimes it's a, a cliche statement. If I were to say, you know, like, oh, I'm so much in credit card debt. I'm just going to give it to God and, and everything will work itself out. And so, but you still have to take action. You know, you can't then go out and just buy a whole bunch of beer or waste your money on whatever and not try to change your your life. So, like, if you have free will to not follow God or, you know, um, not be, you know, religious, if you will, then you also have the free will to take the action to help try to change your life. So do you feel like there's this, there's still this balance where we, we give our, um, you know, give it up to God in that phrase, but yet you still have to be held accountable for your own actions and try to still actually make changes. You know, you can't just say, okay, I prayed, so that's going to change. Did that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I, when you were saying that, I think of it like you can't just you can't just believe in like a better body. Like in my industry, you can't just believe that you're you know in a in a more fit body or a, a body with less weight on it. You actually have to work at it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that there's it's definitely twofold. I think that when you you can put your faith in something, but if there's no action following that faith, if there's no action following and pushing that hope and belief and passion, whatever you want to call it, then it's kind of just like a kind of just like empty faith, empty hope. You know, if, if you're not doing what you know you need to do and you're, essentially letting it fall on someone else's shoulders you're not doing your part and you're never going to be blessed with more if you're not prospering where you're planted that was a very good answer thank you for that perspective i appreciate that yeah so well why don't we um go down this journey and um talk a little bit about the the postpartum depression and maybe some other times where you've had to deal with some um, individual, um, depression and maybe, 
you know, we could, uh, um, and you and Catherine can probably talk a little more on, on some of that, of course, but, um, also then we can, you know, talk about how you do stay, um, in a good place, uh, mentally, what practices you go through. We talked a little bit about therapy, you know, kind of plugging in a little bit of that and, and how, um, you've had to change. I mean, we continuously, I feel we have to evolve and, and grow, but maybe take us down, um, you know, when that started for you, if that was your first child or how it kind of, you know, how that really affected you in a whole. Yeah. So I, my first kind of idea of that I felt different or not how I maybe was supposed to be feeling was when I was pregnant with my first with Maverick six years ago. And I remember we we're going to announce it to my parents and my sister. We were at my parents' house. And I remember telling them and my sister, her response was, well, aren't you excited? And I thought, wait, isn't my face showing that I'm excited? Like, what's going on? And I said, I remember saying, well, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. Of course I'm excited. Why wouldn't I be? And from that moment, I knew that something didn't feel right in me. Like I was, I was, I was, we were pregnant. We were having a baby. It was it's supposed to be the, one of the happiest moments of your life. But I felt so down and I felt so not sad. I didn't feel sad. I just felt super low, kind of like Eeyore. Like I just was like, I wasn't Tigger. I was Eeyore. And I was like, what? why do I feel like this? What is this? Is this just hormones or what? And throughout my whole pregnancy, so I don't know if that's called like um, postpartum, prepartum depression. Uh, I, I'm not really even sure if that's a thing, but I felt it. And then after I had him, I remember then that's when the anxiety really started. I was, I don't think I left my house for probably six months. I mean, I'm sure I probably went to Target like once, but it was a long time that I didn't leave my house. And I remember nursing him one night and I remember asking my husband or telling him, why can't I just feel normal? Why can't I just feel happy and normal and have a a normal brain? And, you know, you're nursing, you're, (laughs) so it was probably like this, big sob session and four o'clock in the morning or whenever it was. And I'm sure my husband, he was like, what is wrong with this chick? What is she is off her rocker, but we don't know. Nobody talks about this stuff. And at least when six years ago, nobody was talking about it um, because I hadn't really heard about any of postpartum, prepartum anxiety, depression. And so that was when I knew something was kind of going on. And after I had, I nursed him for about 12, 12 months. And then we got pregnant with Xander after that. And same thing. Uh, I felt, I think a little bit better during that pregnancy. Um, but after I had the postpartum depression, anxiety, and then nursed him for 12 months. And then the same thing with Clara. And so I knew 
after kind of digging in more with him, <laughs> with Xander, I knew that something was kind of, okay, this is what it is. It's not just the baby blues, you know, like we sometimes have. And that can hang around for a few months, but then it should taper off. This was not only hanging around again, but, you know, now for longer. And so I dug into it more. I dug into, I'm, I'm pretty a black and white person, um, thanks to my dad, where if there's a problem, you fix it. <laughs> if there's a, a problem, you find a solution. Um, and so I'm very solution oriented. And so I, I started researching and looking, you know, what is it? What can I do to combat it? What are some things I can do to help it? What are some, you know, natural supplements, remedies? I, I you know, I looked at it all. And so I knew with my third, with Clara, I knew it was going to come. I didn't know how, you know, worse or <laughs> if it was going to come less. I didn't think it was, but um, I experienced the same. And 2019, so last year, she was two, um, no, one and a half, one. She was born in 18, so she was a year. Hello, mom brain. And it was my worst year. And I think it was because possibly in part, probably because I already had two small kids plus a third and that transition, you know, from, from two to three is tough, but it was, it was my year of rock bottom. I, I was at my worst. I was not functioning that well as a mom. I was not functioning that well as a caretaker, as, you know, a, a, a homemaker, as a wife, as a friend, a lot of my friendships had dissipated. Um, I didn't feel like leaving my house. I, it was a struggle to get out of bed most days, but thankfully, um, thankfully I had my business. Thankfully I had the support of those women that were stuck with me. I mean, they were part of my team, my business, my, my accountability group, they were stuck with me. And so, you know, or I was stuck with them rather. And that saved, that saved me. And so I always say, you know, fitness saved me. My business saved me um, because it did. It, it really pulled me up and out of, of where I was at because of the accountability. I showed up 100% only because of the accountability, nothing else. And so I knew six years ago um, that I knew this was something that I probably, I shouldn't say six years ago, into my pregnancies, I knew that this was probably something I've, I've had my whole life, the depression, anxiety. And I really realized it when I realized how I used to cope with it. And that was through drinking. And, you know, I just thought it was, we just drank a lot because we were, you know, college kids. And then we were, you know, married and we didn't have kids. And what else do people do? They go out every weekend. And when you start having kids, your social life gets a little bit less and less and so uh, especially small kids and so I realized I was compensating with alcohol to combat my anxiety and that was kind of a big aha for me um, that I actually identified with what was going on those years of my life where I would do that um, and essentially self-medicate I'm sure because um, I wasn't on any antidepressants or anxiety medication or anything like that um, 
And thankfully, motherhood happened. Thankfully, um, the growth in my business happened. And those two together really, it was it was really what pulled me up and out. Yeah, and you're right. This was something like that they didn't really prepare you as a mom. You know, like my girls are 12 and just about 11, you know, and they teach you all about, oh, the eating. And they teach you about what to eat, what not to eat. You know, my doctor was always on me because I seem to be somehow gaining way too much weight, way too fast. You know, they talk about all of that, but nobody ever, I felt like they never checked in mentally on you. Like, Mm -mm. are you okay? How are you handling things? What's all going on at home? Otherwise, that could be impacting how you are being now as a mom. Those hormonal balances that are like plummeting and skyrocketing. And then all of a sudden they're gone out of your system. And you're supposed to be like overcompensating for them and being awake and not getting the sleep. It's like you're physically not mentally prepared for any of that. And anything else going on at home, it's just like not helping the cause because you are being divided in too many different ways sometimes, I think. And so it's great that you had that group that was able to help, you know, keep you going while you were helping to keep them going. I know me when, when my girls were little, I was not the mom that I wish I would have been. I mean, I've always been like the helicopter mom, they would tell you, or I'm like the weird mom, but I didn't, I wasn't the mom that had the energy. I wasn't the mom that could go out and play. I wasn't the mom because I was just too tired all the time, run down, wasn't taking care of myself. And I know most of it was just mental anguish. And so I wish, you know, I'm so glad now that there's so much of that, that there wasn't then, but it's so awesome that your accountability group, even though they were like your clients were there to be able to help and lift you up as well. Yeah. And it it does. It feels like a big, it feels like you're just getting bulldozed and then you add another kid and another kid and you know I know there's there might be somebody in the world that listens to this who's like well she sounds very ungrateful for her life but it has nothing to do with gratitude it has everything to do with surviving in the state that you're in and when when you're going through it and nobody's talking about it you feel like a crazy person. You feel like a me- like just your why what is wrong with me and why do I feel like this and why am I a bad mom and my kids are going to grow up thinking that their mom was, you know, just a, a ticking time bomb and you know my she doesn't play with me and she you know just you think about all these things and again that's probably part of the anxiety but when nobody's talking about it and nobody is opening up about it because there's this shame and guilt it it keeps those demons in the dark and until there's light shed on it you know you can't really I feel like I couldn't heal from it I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't stand up again on my own two feet and take control of it until I I finally shed light on it you know that's one of the original kind of thought processes when we started this too was you know, it's positively Midwest because we want to be positive, but we live here and it is amazing and spectacular as it is to live in the Midwest, especially South Dakota. It does come with its own intricacies on life, like a lot of tradition, you know, and when you guys are talking about how 
there's there's no one really talking about that, especially in our area and our doctors that have delivered our mom's kids and our grandma's kids and they've been around for a hundred years. They're more traditional. So, you know, some of that I wanted to help break the mold, you know, little by little with this too, that, you know, the more we learn about not only ourselves, but how every person deals with situations and we learn about our brains and and mental health and physicality and everything, I think that continues to evolve how, you know, we communicate. So without throwing anybody under the bus, um, I'm not sure how your spouse handled you in, in those situations, but I know there is a lot of times where, um, you know, you would, you would talk about, you were talking about alcohol. And so she'd be here and, you know, let's say for lack of a better term, kind of a bump on the log and didn't want to, you know, engage me in whatever activity I wanted to do or fun. And so then it was like, well, I'm going to go off my friends. Well, I'm going to go off my friends then. And, you know, why can't I go out? And it's the the stereotypical fight between spouses, like you're hanging out with your friends too much and you're not at home and we've got a kid and now we have two kids and yada, yada. But I was like, well, from my perspective at the time, without learning and healing myself more where I am today, I honestly was like, sometimes this stinks. You know, I don't want to sit here while you're up seemingly sad or depressed or whatever. I didn't have a label for it at the time. It was just like not a lot of fun. And we were young parents. We were 23 and then 25. So, um, but we'd already been married for four or five years. So I don't know if you can touch on that, you know, with, with your spouse and stuff too, but it's like, I know for me, I, it was really difficult to handle and I did a a shitty job doing it for sure. And now I reflect and part of the show is saying, Hey, I screwed this up, um, as a person, as a husband, as a whatever. And hopefully if you hear this, you won't do that. Or if you are doing it, stop. But how does something like that resonate with you and your situations? It's so funny that you say that whole situation because I feel like that is just a mirror of what we've been through. And, you know, we've been together for almost 20 years and married for almost 10, three kids. And we've really, I mean, we, we started dating when we were 15, 16 years old. And so we've been through a lot as people and we've, I think, grown a lot as people. Um, but there's still just those fights that you have that when somebody is experiencing mental health, uh, you know, setbacks or challenges, there's, there's, it's, it's very difficult to communicate the reasoning why you feel a certain way. Because when somebody has anxiety and depression, we don't feel like explaining things half the time we don't even feel like talking and unless you catch us on, you know, one of those really like up moods and, um, or I just have my pre-workout, like then I'm, I'll talk your off, but we have to time, like I need eight to 12 hours of alone time. And then like, I'm good. I'm golden. So it's very difficult to want to express, you know, why I didn't want him to leave the house or why, I didn't want to leave the house and why I wanted him to sit next to me in the house and not go do whatever he wanted to do. But I will say, I'll, I'll preface this whole thing with saying 
my husband is I, a unicorn. I mean, I will, I will say that till I'm blue in the face. He has his faults. Yes. Sometimes he really sucks at things and makes me mad. And of course has his, you know, mannerisms and whatever, but he's a unicorn when it comes to support and helping out and carrying the weight and taking care of the kids. I mean, for, for six months, I remember, I think it was probably in the beginning of, of 2019 for six months. I remember he did everything. He, and I, I will very, you know, proudly say this and humbly say it. Um, I, it was when I couldn't get out of bed, he would get up with the kids in the morning. He would get them ready. He would, and mind you, I work from home. You know, I did not have to get up and go to a job. Um, but he would do everything. He helped with the house chores. He helped, he picked up slack 95% of the time because he knew I just couldn't. But when then he wanted to go, you know, I'm going to go hang out with, you know, whoever I'm going to run here or whatever. And he, bless his heart, hardly ever, you know, does anything enjoyable or, you know, hunting and fishing. Gosh, when you have kids, it's like you just, all your extracurricular activities kind of go to the wayside. But it was my anxiety that it wasn't about him leaving. It was that I just wanted him next to me. And I think a big thing too is learning your spouse's love language and learning how they best receive and feel love. And it's often what they give the most of is what they um, need and want to receive to feel love. And so for me, mine's quality time um, and words of affirmation. So like, if you just sit next to me and you just tell me like how proud you are, I am, uh, how proud you are of me, I will be like a kid in a candy store. And his is not that. And so I had a hard time, you know, I don't know. I had a hard time not, not dealing with the leaving, not accepting the fact that he wanted to leave the house and go do things. But I had a hard time accepting that that's where I was at and that I didn't want to really leave the house and I didn't care to go see anybody and I didn't care to go do things. And it took a huge toll on our relationship because I didn't even really feel like going and sitting in the garage and watching him do the guy stuff, you know, that he was like, well, come out to the garage and, you know, let's do this. And I just didn't feel like it. And I just didn't want to. And I couldn't muster up the just do it anyway you know to to make your spouse happy I couldn't I couldn't muster up the energy to do that and so that was a big struggle with us and and it sometimes still is because of how I'm wired of how you know when I my anxiety is starting to kick in part of when he leaves it's that anxiety. It's that like, you know, your mind just races and wanders and, and not, not that I feel like he's doing anything wrong, but that, you know, the what if, what if he's driving home late and gets in a car accident or, you know, just whatever. Um, but his rebuttal is, I need to get out of the house. I, I want to go see people. I want to go do things. I want to, you know, I have to relieve my stress. He has a very high, high stress. Um, job and so I had a hard time just like biting my tongue and and saying go do that go you know have fun 
very hard time doing that. Um, and I'm still working on that, but it, it was more so not about him. It was, it was, uh, what's the word? It was, it was just realizing that that's where I was at. And that was tough. If that makes sense. Yeah. So one thing that comes to mind, um, I wonder about is the last year and a half or so of our life has been probably the one of the more positive years we've had. We started dating at 16. So this was our 16 year wedding anniversary and we've been together for 400 years. And so (laughs) 20 yeah, (laughs) in October. Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, I mean, we've had a lot of good times and we've had a lot of really bad times and, you know, so on. But a lot of our recent changes and part of what helps uh, set this off and everything was I started reading some self-help books and then learning more about myself. And then I checked into therapy. And and so now I've been going every week for a little over a year. Where, where did you start to learn, uh, both of you start to learn your... Um, your actions you should take to, you know, communicate better, to, to learn those love languages, to implement it. Um, you know, what, what kind of process were you guys on that you, you started to kind of turn some of that around? Actually, it was because of my business, um, in our industry, personal development is, very, very highly encouraged. And I've, I was always very curious. I always loved psychology and like how our brains work. And like, I just always love that aspect of, of the human body also. And so, and I'm always about growth. Like that's, that's what my wiring is. I'm all about how can I just become a better person? How can I do this better? How can I, you know, say this better? How can I have better people skills how you know I'm just always looking to I don't just like going through the motions I don't just like you know coasting to me that feels like I'm going backwards and so I've kind of always been into that aspect I've always been into developing personally professionally whatever and so when I started um, my business eight years ago I got into that a little bit more. I got into personal development and it wasn't just business development. It was personal development. It was, you know, if you can't grow beyond where you're at, your business will never grow. And so I knew that I had to, I had to grow. I had to get through some of my self limiting beliefs. I had to, you know, unpack some of the things that I've carried with me my whole life experiences beliefs, um, judgment, criticism, whatever it was that has shaped who I am now and shaped some of the beliefs that I have now, I knew I had to, to grow through some of those things. And in that process, it, it really correlated and tied well with, um, you know, your, your, you as an, as an individual, but you also as a spouse, you also as a wife, as a mom, as a friend as a leader, as a, you know, as a a mentor, um, depending on what area of your life you're, you know, developing. And so with our marriage, um, 
it, it kind of fell into it wove into that really well when I was when I was you know reading a, one or two books a month um, when I first started my business and I knew the areas that we struggled with and so again problem okay where's the solution how can I solve this and I knew that um, learning more about who he is how he's wired you know what he needs to feel happy and thrive um, how I can you know tee up conversations and ideas and thoughts how can I do that so he's best motivated to want to communicate about it um, and kind of all those things and in turn of course I learned a lot about myself too but it's easier said than done you can read about it but then to actually do it and follow through with being that person and honoring your spouse in that way that's a whole nother that's a whole other topic I'm <laughs> extremely we, stubborn <laughs> yeah we've done a couple episodes kind of in that in that regard so even though you're married to a magical unicorn stallion of a man <laughs> um, I would love to hear that <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask though because we I know we deal with this still time to time and in the beginning but when you were starting to realize these things about yourself and and, you know, it starts to feel really good and you're changing and things seem to be coming at you and what well, you're manifesting and praying about, they're, they're changing right before your eyes. And, and so you just want to tell everybody, hey, do this and, and it'll happen for you. And so the first person, of course, um, even though the book told me right away, don't try to change other people. But the first person you try to change is your spouse again or say, get on the, this train with me because it's going to be so great. Was that kind of your situation, and then were you met with a little bit of adversity um, from your spouse at that point, or with wanting to work on, you know, issues in our marriage? Well, like maybe that was one of the you know the contexts, but more as you're continuing to evolve and and grow in a sense, then you are saying like, hey, you know, maybe you should try this, and this might be different. Maybe you should try this, and you'll feel better. And and they're kind of like dude, back off. I'm glad you're doing your thing and whatnot, but you know, like I'm in my lane, stay in yours. And, and like, if you get happier, maybe I'll get happier. But then as we evolve, I think we both are learning that it takes a little bit of change from, from each of us. And we just keep getting closer and closer, which is great. But what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I just have to laugh because I'm, I can be very bossy. And I can be very suggestive. <laughs> and so um, when I when I first started kind of this whole, my whole health and fitness journey, of course, I was like, I didn't know at the time because I had not personally developed myself enough, but I was pushing workouts on them. And I'm like, do this with me. Like, I want to get healthy and fit and I'm on this journey and, you know, I'm going to be a better person, become a better person. And like, of course we want, the person that we love the most in the world to be right there on our level with us. But I very quickly learned um, you can lead a horse to water. And so that is kind of when I learned that I just, I stopped. I just, I've led myself. You, you can never lead anybody better than you, leading yourself. And so you can't lead other people until you just lead yourself. And so I just, stayed in my lane with that aspect, especially with the health and fitness aspect. Um, and the more that I 
became aware of, you know, better, I don't know, for example, better food choices or, you know, moving my body and how I would feel and the effects of that and how I would, you know, how my mood would be improved. Um, and just all of those, those things he saw it and, you know, he, and he's also had, he also deals with mental health stuff. He also deals with physical health stuff. And so he's been on, you know, a, a long journey with, with all of that. And so knowing that also, that made me want to, you know, push more because I know if you just do this, you'll feel so much better or try this or try this. Um, and it really has to be the person's idea. But when somebody sees something in you that they want for themselves, that's when change starts to happen. And so I think, not that he's ever said it, but I think that he just started seeing the change that was happening in me. And I know he wanted that for himself as well, um, whether that was just to feel more energy or, you know, just feel better, you know, going about his day, whatever. Um, but in regards to this, we still struggle with this and I'll be totally transparent. It frustrates me that he's not at the same like growth game as me because I'm all about like, let's read these books and let's do this, take this test. And what Enneagram are you, number are you? And what's your wing? And he's like, you are on another planet and you're so annoying. And so when I'm all about that, like, I just want you to want to, you know, grow and, you know, have a better mindset and learn about this and learn about that. It's like, all right, that's when I do need to stay in my own lane. But if I can just learn that about him and I can offer again, how he is best motivated, how, what I can do, because I can only do what I can do. And when I start to give and I start to honor and respect how he is and what he needs and what makes him happy and how he best communicates and best thrives, when I can just honor that and be really good about doing that and doing my part, the more that you give, you will receive. And so I think that, again, easier said than done, but um, I really think you just have to lead yourself the best and lead yourself the most. Because when you do that, naturally, it, you know, it, it, it impacts the people around you and usually for the better. Yeah. Cause that's a lot of what we've said a lot is like, we can't change each other, but we can change ourselves and inspire others along the way to maybe make a change in themselves. And with the love language test and the Enneagram test, it's like, what's so great about that is, yeah, you learn a lot about yourself, but it, it really does teach you so much about your significant other. Even if you've been with them for 20 years or 30 years, you know, there's so many couples out there that once they take it, they're like, it all is so much clearer now. So it really is mm -hmm. just getting to know them on that deeper lover, deep lover level, <laughs> talking about your significant other. But, you know, so like we've taken them and it is really interesting. And it is, um, it's great to see how that can deepen your relationship as well when you do kind of get on some of those same um, pages. Because I know when Steven started going to therapy, and then he started getting closer. His relationship to God was closer. 
I almost got scared. I was like, is Steven going to become more religious than me? Is he going to become <laughs> like, like I, th- I felt like I was going to get left in the dust. Like he was going to become this so much better version of him self. And I was going to be back here not making my own changes, you know? So it was like, it gave me that oomph to like, oh, okay, I want to work on myself too, because I just, I want to feel what he's feeling, that excitement, that drive. Well, that's really good to hear right now. I'm not going to lie about that. <laughs> you guys just have your little moment. I'll just sit here. <laughs> <laughs> It, uh, those are those, one of the steps you talked about earlier about validation. And I mean, we've had this conversation, uh, air quotes off the air, her and I, but that's, that's a practice that we have to commit to each other too. And so that was when you said validate feelings earlier, that really kind of struck a chord with me because that's something we both have had to work very hard on and, and empathy wasn't always our strongest, um, attribute that we showed each other or compassion for that matter it was just kind of a lot of anger and frustration and I think that's a a big cover-up or a telltale sign for for someone that is somewhat depressed or or um just low upset you know yeah I think resentment too kind of falls in there because they're not you know I I felt I, I resented that he wasn't feeling as low as I was and he didn't understand what I was going through and he didn't, you know, you know, you, 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 but at the same time, um, I think it's just, I think it comes down to, to better communication. And if we're willing to do that and kind of when I was willing to kind of put my stubbornness aside and get really good at mastering speaking up when I needed to, um, that improved a lot of things as well. Yeah, I think that's certainly one thing that I don't I don't know if it's just a combination of everything in our modern world, but I do notice with um, couples like you guys and couples like us and whatever torment we've put each other through in all these years and all the great times to it, um, couples that do get divorced, which is certainly an option if you have to pursue that at some time, but those that don't ever really give up and they just communicate and even sometimes if it's screaming at each other and arguing at least you're still communicating even though it's through screaming and yelling but when you completely stop and and you're cold and um nothing ever turns around I think that's when it gets the scariest for some people so yeah when you say communicate always communicate that that's always been something that's I can't leave something alone. You know, I can maybe back off for a little bit, but generally I'm kind of picking like a scab, like what's, what's the matter? What's going on? What's up? Talk to me. Mm-hmm. So, well, is there, out of everything that we've talked about and you actually took us on a, on a very um, inspiring journey. So I really appreciate that. What are some of your top things that keep you the most positive in your life? Oh, there, there are a handful of things. I think the most important thing is looking at who number one, you're surrounding yourself with. I think that, you know, there's a quote that says you're the average of the top five people that you spend the most amount of your time with. And I think that's so true. Um, Had I been surrounding myself with a different environment these last several years, 
I don't know that I would have come out on top like I did. And when I say on top, I just mean to the, to the version of myself that I wanted to become and I want to become, and I'm still working to become, but I think finding a really great support system, whether that's one, two, five, hundred, two hundred people, I mean, a really great support system that you know that it's there for accountability, but you can also lean into through the hard times. I think um, number two, asking for help. Can't be afraid to ask for help. Um, I really learned that in the last couple of years when I was forced to, and when I just finally had to swallow my guilt and say, what's more important, my mental health and being able to to be a healthy, happy mom for my family and wife, or, you know, being too, too proud to ask, you know, grandma to take the kids for four hours um, and having my family suffer. And so I think there's that line between, between um, that guilt and, and grace. And so I would say that's a really big one too, especially women, especially moms, anyone listening, your mom or a, a, a wife or a caretaker or whoever, really anybody for that matter, don't be afraid to ever ask for help because there's always somebody who is willing to, to help. Um, and then number three, and probably not in any order, but um, you have to take care of yourself. You have to prioritize your well-being because at the end of the day who's going to take care of you if you don't nobody and so you have to not only find the time but you have to make the time um because we all have 24 hours in a day and if at the end of the day you're feeling like you know you're run down exhausted sad, unhappy, um, you know, your self-esteem is affected, your mindset is affected, negativity. I mean, if you're just swimming in that quicksand and you're constantly feeling like, you know, you're trying to climb out of that quicksand, something is eventually going to give and it's probably going to be your health. Um, and so taking care of you first and foremost, um, doesn't have to be anything big and elaborate. Start small. Pick one thing that you can just do every day to to self-care and to, you know, take care of your body, your mind, um, and just pick one. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. So You're welcome. <laughs> So you've got currently 2,126 followers, soon to be 5 million. <laughs> I have one interesting question, but because this plagues me as I continue, as we continue to grow the podcast and we, I mean, we have a very small following, but um, it, it's consistent people, you know, and, and I can only imagine that it's going to grow exponentially over the years, but do you ever struggle with, like feeling this sense of responsibility now for the, these people, you know, like you feel like, Oh God, okay, I can't make a mistake now, or I can't um, do a certain thing or act a certain way. Um, I mean, you're quite open from, you know, any of the posts I've seen 
and generally they're tied in with being inspirational to your followers as well. But do you ever in your mind get caught up sometimes thinking I'm responsible for over 2000 people potentially, or at least the ones that, you know, are on your team and like, like you're under a microscope. Is that the right way to put it? Maybe. Yeah, I, I guess yes and no. Um, Again, I think it's just, in my opinion, at the end of the day, you have to be sharing and doing what feels good to you. And if you're not, it's not going to be authentic and your impact and your reach is going to get less and less because people can feel, especially, yeah, it's online and you're behind a camera. Uh, you're behind your phone or your laptop or computer or whatever, but people can still feel the energy that you're putting out there. People can still feel through your message, what you're relaying and your tone and how genuine it is um, and what you're trying to say. And if you're not being true to yourself and real to who you are and you're trying to be something you're not, and you're trying to, you know, only go for the likes or the comments or, um, you know, you're trying to be popular on social media. Um, at the end of the day, people can feel that. And it doesn't really matter if you're popular on social media. What matters is if you're thriving in your life. And if you're not, then something you got to check yourself in some way, shape or form. And so I use my, I use my platform, um, for that purpose solely. I use it for inspiration and impact, um, education, um, humor, and just just the real and raw of life. And so uh, sometimes I feel like I'm under a microscope, but at the same time, it's like, Megan, you're not that big of a deal. Just live your life, <laughs> you know, just live your life. People, they, people are going to come and go. Um, invite them into your, you know, invite them into your life and connect with them. And if they don't connect with you, they're probably not your people and that's okay too. But the people that are going to connect with you and that are going to stick around, to, you know, watch your story unfold, those are going to be the people that matter the most. So just have to stay true to who you are. Your vibe attracts your tribe. If you're putting out those negative things, you're going to be surrounded by those that are not your support system, like you said. And if you're putting out that positive thing, then you're going to find those that are healthy for you in return. 100%. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, Megan White, did we miss anything or... Is there anything that you would like to add um, to the conversation before maybe we, we, we of course have to have you do your shameless plug because we want to know all about you and how to follow you and how to find you and how to jump on your team and, and uh, shape our lives. But is there anything else you want to add? Um, you know, this is just, it was just fun. It was just fun talking and, and just kind of being able to tell my story. And I hope that there was somebody out there that took, away great nuggets from it and and took away, you know, something that they could apply to their own lives to make their own, you know, lives better or the lives around them better. Um, But no, just thank you for having me. Well, awesome. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. It was, you know, as I'm building this list over time of people I want to, I've been thinking about you for a while, but like, I'm really weird. It's got to like come to me or it's got to, I don't know how to explain it, but 
And then I've been talking to Catherine for a few weeks about it. And then I was like, well, I messaged her today. So we'll see how that goes. And I put a few feelers out there and I've messaged other people, whether it's through Instagram or however I can find them. And, you know, you don't get a reply and like, oh, man, they don't want to. Okay, am I doing the right thing? Is this right for me? And of course, I get weird anxiety, too. But so, yeah, when you replied, um, I knew that this was going to work out well. And we... uh, did a couple other episodes before you and I could hook up or we could. And like what you've talked about tonight is just, it's so crazy. I don't believe in irony or coincidence coincidences anymore, but how this all just meshes together. So this is a really good episode and I'm, I'm glad Catherine got to join in. It's our first little dual episode. And so I don't know, Milady, do you have anything that you would like to add? No, that, that is, it was absolutely wonderful. Solid gold, baby. Yeah. <laughs> good okay well um megan tell us how to find you on the grams and the books and the websites and how they can give you their money and and you can shape their <laughs> lives and um let's let's get down that road for a second before we let you go please sure um yeah so instagram is just at megan white and on facebook you can just search megan white i don't know if there's other ones oh yes i did i searched this one day just to like see who else was out there with my name um and there are actually a handful so you can just go to well you'll see my face my picture um and then you can always email me megan white at ymail.com not gmail but ymail like yahoo and connect with me i'm i'm always somewhere so and you happen to be a w-i-g-h-t white correct yes i forgot to specify that yes Okay. Not like the color, opposite of the color, W-I-G-H-T. Yeah. Perfect. And I'm a, sometimes I'm a goofball when I see people's names, so I was going to say white, but that would be totally politically incorrect, <laughs> so I threw that joke out the window. And it's not the correct spelling either. Right. <laughs> we get we get right a lot, like W-R-I-G-H-T. We get that a lot, but I don't correct people. It's like, whatever, you can call me whatever you want. I'll be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, you always got to be the change in the world that we want to see, right? Exactly. Yes. Perfect. Well, I um, I I thank you. Thank you very much for doing this episode. I I think it was great and it went great. Um, so we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And if you uh, we'll do this cute little outro we do. And if you want to hang on the phone just for a second, we'll say our uh, um, goodbyes and then um, you know, just go over a couple things if that works for you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Megan. I appreciate it. And you rock. All right, everybody. Well, that was episode 27 of Positively Midwest with our guest, Megan White. And uh, what a fantastic show we had. Catherine, how was our first duet? I think it went rather well. I I know it did. So as always, everyone, thank you for your support and your love. We love you. Always try to stay positive. Follow us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. And you can go to PositivelyMidwest.com. And we're on every major platform. And as always, please stay positive.